0: It's Pentecost Sunday, and I'm excited about that. Now, a lot of people don't know what Pentecost Sunday is or that we even celebrate it anymore. We're supposed to celebrate Pentecost Sunday every Sunday, actually, because we're a Pentecostal church. And somebody said, well, what in the world does a Pentecostal church mean? Well, if you're a Pentecostal church, then that means that you believe in everything that's in this Bible, every scripture that's there, and even the ones that talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's some people say, oh, that was just for the old times, but we don't need that now. Well, I guarantee that I don't read anywhere in this Bible that God said that he gave a gift and he took it back. Have you ever had God give you a gift that he took back? If he can take back a gift, then he can take back my salvation just as easy. And he won't do that because God doesn't do that. He does not take back something that he's given. And he's given the baptism of the Holy Spirit for us, not only for the apostles, but for us today. And we celebrate it because Pentecost, it comes from the word 50. And 50 days after Easter is we celebrate, they celebrate Pentecost. And it's called the first fruits. That's when the first things start to bloom over in Israel. And if you've been over to Israel, which I have been, it's a very beautiful place. Thanks to the Jewish people. When they took it over, it was a desert. And now it's blooming like a rose, just like the Bible said it would. And it's gorgeous over there. And they have 10 months growing season in Israel. 10 months of the year something's growing because there's only two months that things don't grow. Well, the first time that things start springing up and the first harvest that happens, that's when Pentecost started. And they celebrate that feast. And the, and the church was born on the feast of Pentecost. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And without Pentecost, we wouldn't have the power to witness that we need to have. We wouldn't have the power or the ability to be renewed and transformed. We want to be transformed, don't we? I don't give anything. I wouldn't give anything for a God I couldn't feel. I want to be able to feel God. And because of Pentecost, we can feel God in our lives. We can feel his anointing. We can feel his touch in our life. And that's his will for our life, to be able not only to know in our faith that we're saved and that we can come to him, but we can feel him. And that's what Pentecost was all about. The disciples, they'd felt, they knew Jesus, they all imagined they handled him, you know, they touched him probably on occasion. But I'm, Jesus isn't here in physical form today, so I can't touch him but I can be touched by God through the Holy Spirit. And that's what we celebrate when we celebrate the the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit or Pentecost. We celebrate that God reaching down and all of a sudden touching everybody. Anybody that wanted to be touched, they got touched. And that's what Pentecost is all about. And Pente means five. Pentagon, five, there's five rings or whatever they wanna call it at at Washington. So Pente means five. Aren't Aren't you impressed with my education this morning? And we don't say uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cuatro pente, but <laughs> anyway, but that's where we get the word pente from. And so, and being in the, we're talking about Pentecost, and we have to go back to those scriptures. And all of us should know that where those scriptures are, and that's in Acts, the second chapter. So if you want to go there, <clears throat> we're just going to deal with four verses, but I'm, as you know, if you know me very much, and I kind of throw in a few extras at no extra charge. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that this morning. Because that's exciting. I'm excited about Pentecost. And as Christians, we need to be excited about it because we have that power and we just celebrate that time in our life. And we can't afford to stop seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We gotta do that all the time. And if you haven't been filled this morning, then hey, maybe today's your day. The first verse. on the, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. So if it sounds a little different, then that's okay. But... Um, uh, 2, Acts, the second chapter, verse 1. And on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit, Holy Spirit gave them the ability. This was the birth of the church. Oh, man, what a birthday. You know, it's marvelous when anything, when when somebody gets born again or they get saved for the first time. There's something about being in the presence of of new life that happens. If you're mothers and you've given birth to children, you know what what I'm talking about when you say, man, there's just something glorious about that, something that nothing in this world can compare to. Well, that's what God was experiencing when he sent the mighty Holy Spirit to be able to indwell his people because now things are gonna be different. Now... It, 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 he's changed everything up, and now we get to be a part of that. We get to be able to touch God, and God gets to be able to touch us and not kill us. <laughs> That's wonderful. I like that part. God can touch us through the mighty power of the Holy Spirit and not kill us, so I'm excited about that. And because of that, we have the power to witness. We have the power to, to like I said, be transformed, but we also have the power to be able to live and dwell in his presence. We don't have to just come to church on Sunday morning and say, oh, God, are you here today? Because if we come to church as believers, we bring him with us. Because he lives within us. He dwells within us because of Pentecost. And when we're we're saved and we accept Christ as our Savior, we're invited or we're adopted right into the family of God. And that's one experience. But there's more more for us. Uh, In Acts 1, verse 3 Verses 3 and 4, it says, During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that they were, he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow, he knew this. God, Jesus knew this was going to be something important that was going to happen. And he wanted to make sure that they understood the importance of it. And be obedient and look and be watching for that gift. Verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the inner part. And to the ends of the earth. There's that word. (laughs) I was going to say the outer, outer parts of the world. I got King James up here, so I kind of got confused sometimes. I cut my teeth on King James, so I don't have a problem with it. But sometimes the scriptures I memorize are King James. So, <laughs> But anyway, he said, after yet, you're going to receive the gift, and you're going to receive power. Now, I'm sure these disciples didn't know what he was talking about. They didn't have a clue. Have a clue. This was something new, something that they'd never seen or heard of before that Jesus was talking to them about. But if Jesus said it, they're going to believe it, and so they're going to be obedient to what Jesus said. If we just were obedient to what Jesus said, what a be- better life we'd have. They didn't sit there and say, well, how's this going to happen, Jesus? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Explain it to me. They didn't do that. They just took him at his word because they'd art- I mean, if I seen somebody raised from the dead, I'd kind of believe whatever they said, wouldn't you? I'd believe that everything he told me was true, and why would he start lying to me now? So if I see that, I, hey, I'm going to believe it. Whatever you say, Jesus, okay, we're going to be here. We're going to be here, and we're going to wait. We don't know what this gift is, but everybody likes a gift, don't you? When somebody says, come over to my house, I'm going to give you a gift. Hey, man, we can find a way to get there. Is, is now too early? Can I come over now? Well, I just got out of bed. I don't care. I'll just throw my robe. <laughs> I'm over there. Hey, give me a gift. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm kind of like that way, if you feed me, I'll come. You know, hey, bite me to, food, to eat food. Hey, man, I'm there. I'll be there, and I'll bring my appetite, and if, if I need to, I'll bring my own fork, you know, whatever it is. So, so if there, they said there's going to be a gift, and gifts were something special that you gave, and if it's a gift from God, hey, wow, what an exciting day that would be. God gives us gifts every day, but we, you know, we're just not looking for them or watching for them. But they were watching for a gift, even though they didn't know what it was. I'm reminded of a, there was a lady that brought her watch to the, to the jewelry store because it quit running. And the guy went in the back and disappeared for a couple minutes and come back out and it was running just perfectly. And she says, man, how did you fix it so fast? And he says, it was no big deal. I just replaced the battery. He says, battery? Nobody told me there was a battery in this. I've been winding it every day. And that's kind of what we do. We have this battery or we have this power that's available to us, but we're sitting there and we're winding it. We're trying to get it to move and we're trying to get to do things with it, not knowing that we don't have the power. The power's in the battery and the battery's in God. And that's God's will for our life. That's what he wants for us. He wants us not to do anything in our own power. See, these disciples at this point in their life, man, they were scared to death. They were running around and afraid that, you know, if they kill Jesus, they're going to be hunting me down too. And so they were they were afraid to, to really do much of anything. And so, but Jesus told them to stay there and wait. And say, man, this must really be important if he wants us, in spite of all this stuff going on, to want us to wait. And so Jesus had told them, he said, wait, wait for this power. And we need to take advantage of the power of God as Christians. Because it's available to us. I want to get everything I can get and then some. Don't you? If it's in here, I want it. If I find a scripture in there and I can apply it, if I do the if before the promise, hey, man, I'm going to start saying, hey, God, where is it? I did the if. You said, if I do this, you'd do this. Well, I've done the if thou shalt do this. Now I want the, here it is. Here it is. And God likes us when we do that. He wants us to hold him accountable to his word because that means that we believe everything he tells us. And I, God wants us to believe him. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us to be able to walk in his power instead of our own ingenuity. I mean, my, Without God, hey, man, I'm nothing. Forget it. You wouldn't want to hear me up here if I didn't have God with me. I guarantee that. I guarantee you wouldn't. It, it wouldn't probably make sense. You'd go out of here and say, what in the world was that woman talking about this morning? And don't come up and ask me because I wouldn't know either. Sometimes I'm up here and words start coming out of my mouth and, and I'm wondering, God, where am I going with this? <laughs> okay, God, if you want to say it, I'll say it, but I don't know what it is. And allow him to, to, to work through it. And there are those times in our life, but we have to trust him because I have that power that God has available to me. I have that power, so I don't have to worry about it. And, uh, <clears throat> and they were commanded to wait in Jerusalem till they be endued with power. So they kind of had idea, it's got something to do with power. This gift that he's talking about, it's got something to do with power. But it was so important for them to wait, he didn't want them going anywhere until they were empowered by the Holy Spirit because that's where they're gonna get their strength from. And that's where God is gonna give us strength from is through his power and through his ability, not our own. Because I can't do anything under my own power. And it was so important to them, he told them to wait. So they had, by waiting, they knew that something was coming, even though they didn't know what it was, but they had the faith to know that if Jesus said it, I'm going to believe it, and it's so. Of course, if Jesus said it, whether I believe it or not, it's still so. (laughs) So in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4, it says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Without the Holy Spirit, we're resting in man's wisdom. And we don't have wisdom. You Look at Washington. You can see how much wisdom we have. We don't have any. If they have wisdom, they don't have any common sense. But if we don't have the power of God, then we're trying to do things in our own strength and our own power. And that isn't God's will. And I don't want to go against what God wants to do. When God makes it so much easier. I've tried to do things in my own power, and I'll tell you, It's exhausting. And I get tired, and I go home, and I wore out. I think, what's the matter with me? This, this shouldn't have been that difficult. Oh, well, I'm doing it my own power. It is difficult. But God wants us to do everything in his power, whether it's working a secular job. If you go and weld, God wants you to weld in God's power. If you work in an office, God wants you to answer phones in God's power. He wants us to do everything in God's power. And if we're stay-at-home moms, God wants us to be a stay-at-home mom in God's power. Because I'll tell you, there's some days when you're raising kids, if you don't have the Spirit of God upon you and the strength, I'll tell you, it's hard being a mom. It's easier to go to work than it is staying home and raise kids. I know, I had kids. I'd rather pay a babysitter some days because I'll tell you, it's not an easy job. But if God helps us and God help gives us the strength, then we can do it, and that's his will. Because when we do it in God's power, we'll be better moms, we'll be better wives, we'll be better welders, we'll be better truck drivers, we'll be better whatever it is that we do. And if we work in quality or something to that degree, God will help us point out the things that we're not supposed to send to the, to the people. He'll, he'll draw us to those things. I worked in quality for a number of years, and sometimes it's a curse because I can walk in somewhere and the first thing I'm attracted to is the, is, is the thing that's wrong. They tell me, man, if there's something wrong in here, I'll find it. I could climb up, get a sample, because they used to uh, test air inflators for airbags, and I'd go get, get one, and I'd grab it up. I mean, there's, a, there's 144 in every roll pack, and there might be 20 roll packs, and I'll pull out the only one that's bad in that whole lot <laughs> because there's just, I'm a magnet. <laughs> so it gets through God's power, and God wants to make sure that what, I, what the work I do is done the way that he would want it done. So we need to realize that, that it isn't just so we can come to church and praise God and we, so we can speak in tongues and do all these things that we can do. It's for our everyday life, and that's God's will for our life. Our, ba- our bodies are very amazing because we can, you know, our bodies can maintain a temperature of 98.6, whether we're here in Canberra or where we're in the Antarctic. You know that? That's an amazing mechanism that God has created in us to be able to maintain a temperature. That is, of course, unless we're sick, generally. God has given us that mechanism. Well, the Holy Spirit is the mechanism that God has provided us as believers to be able to operate in Him. And His Spirit within us will keep us going the way we need to go, saying the things we need to say, doing the things we need to do by walking in His Spirit. Acts uh, 19, verse 2, 6, and 7 says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked, No. They replied, We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people get confused about that. They think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens when you get saved. But according to that scripture, it isn't. It's a different experience because these guys, they were saved. The Bible said they were saved. But they says we never even heard of the Holy Spirit. What is it? Because it's a separate experience. We get the Holy Spirit to come within us and help us when we're we're born again because that's the sealing of us to God. That's that, that process. That's that adoption process that we have. But and in John 20:22 20, 22, it says, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When they, at that moment, I believe the disciples were born again. When they seen Christ raised from the dead, they were believers, weren't they? I'm not kidding you, they were believers. <laughs> and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive that sealing of your faith in my death and resurrection. Because that's how we get saved, isn't it? We have to acknowledge we're sinners. Then we have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sin and rose again. We have to believe those things. If we don't, we're not Christians. So if you're here this morning and you don't believe that, I'm telling you, it's a fact. And if you need to have that belief in your heart, if you want to be saved, and that's the sealing process. But there's a separate experience that the Bible talks about, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of, it's something that just infuses you with power. And that's what we want in our lives. I can give you a blender, and it can be the most expensive blender you've ever seen in your life. It can be the top of the line, stainless steel, 800 watts of power and all these other kind of things, and it's just so gar- gorgeous, and you put it on your counter. and think, Oh, wow, that's a beautiful blender. Works is great. It's great. But I come over and want Slurpees or slu- a slushie, and you're going to make me one. You out and get the ice up and the ice pick, and you're chopping it all up, trying to make me a slushie out of this chopped up ice. That's about what we do when we're, when we're Christians, and we're just saved and not asking for the power. God says, hey, you got a blender over here. Just plug it in. Plug it into the power. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's plug it into the power of God. And then all of a sudden, hey, you dump that ice in that blender and turn that thing on. And, man, that stuff just mulches it up and whatever, whatever it needs to do. But without the power, it's useless. You know, you can get in there and get something, spin the braids a little bit, and might be able to get a little bit of something out of it. But as Christians, God doesn't want us to be using an ice pick when we've got a blender for us. He wants us to take that and plug it into his power. And God infuses and let his electricity or let his power just flow through us so we can reach out to people. If we're wondering why we have so much trouble witnessing to people or serving God, maybe it's because you don't have the power. You need to plug into the power so God can do it through you. So God can walk every step with you through his power and not our power and not through my strength. When I do it in my strength, I'll fail. I fail a lot because all of a sudden I get out of God's power and think, oh, this ain't too bad, God. It's all right, I'll, I'll get this one. This is pretty easy over here. Don't, uh, don't we do that? We think, oh, I don't want to bother God with this. It's just so insignificant. But God says bother me with everything in your life because if it matters to you, it matters to God. And if it's a problem for you, it's a problem for God that he wants to overcome. And he uses those little things in our life to build our faith. So if we can believe him for this little thing, and we have all these little things, and then the problems get a little harder, they get a little more difficult, and then we start, well, he worked over here. Hey, I'm going to work here. And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon nothing bothers you anymore because you have a faith in God that he, no matter what the problem or the situation is, he's going to work it out. And that's what it happens, that's what that power is. And when that power is infused into our lives, then it's easier for us to do. It's easier for us to trust God. It's easy to trust God in church when the Spirit's flowing in it. Oh man, there ain't no problem I am thinking about when I'm in church praising God. That's just out of my mind. And that's the way God wants us to walk and to live, in that power, in that anointing every single day of our life. That's God's will for our life. And then we won't get knocked off when something happens. Well, God, you got a problem here. I don't know how you can fix it, but it's your problem. And let God take care of it and be able to trust him. So it doesn't matter. If I lose my job, God's in control. He gave me that job. He can give me another one. And I've had God take away jobs. And then he's replaced it with a job that was better. But got to trust him. We got to walk in his power and understand that. <coughs> Before Pentecost... The disciples were afraid and they ran and they hid, and Peter got chased off by a little woman at a fire. That's what happened to Peter. I don't know the man. And he started cussing and throwing a hammer each. Oh, I don't know the man. And, you know, he let a little girl run him off. That's what Peter was. That's where the disciples were before Pentecost. Isn't that the way they were? But after Pentecost, now, oh, man, Peter's got boldness. He's got power, and he stands up, and he preaches on the day of Pente- Pentecost. And I think that's just God showing us that it doesn't matter what happens in our life because he took this fisherman, and he, and he made him a, a preacher just for, by the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you're having trouble with words when you're trying to talk to somebody, you need more power. You need God to come through and, and speak through you like he did for Peter on the day of Pentecost. Nobody ran, he never ran away from anybody after that. He ran and hid before anybody chased him off. But after Pentecost, he didn't ever run. He stood his ground. And he didn't care who you are or what, whatever. He just stood his ground. And the difference was Pentecost. The difference was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was saved. If he'd have died, he'd have went to heaven. But he got infused with power. And if I'm going to walk in this world, I'd just soon walk it in power. Wouldn't you? I don't want to be chased off by everybody, afraid of everybody that comes near me. Oh, I can't say anything. i got to go run and hide. I don't want to talk to them because they may may, may, may want me to pray or something. Don't don't want to do that. Oh, no, 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 no. But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes with you, oh, where's that person? I think she has a need today. I'm going to pray for her. You know, and we start seeking things out because we're not afraid anymore. And fear is what destroys us as Christians. We're afraid of everything. Look at the economy. Everybody is afraid, aren't they? Oh man, my retirement, I'm gonna lose my retirement, I'm going to lose, I may lose my job, I may do this, and, and we're just terrified of things. But the Holy Spirit power in our lives takes the fear away. And we don't have to be afraid because God's in control. What's happening in our world is not surprise to God. He knew it was gonna happen. He knew it was gonna happen 5,000 years ago. It wasn't a surprise to him. Nothing catches God off guard. So we need to be able to trust God through that and, and after Pentecost that makes the difference mind of the blacksmith that took two pieces of metal together he wanted these two pieces of metal to become one piece of metal and he thought well man I'll just get my anvil and he puts it on his anvil and he just hammers and hammers and hammers away at these two pieces of metal trying to get them together but nothing happened all he did was put some dings in the metal that's all he did just mess up put some dings in the metal and he thought oh yeah so he put, as soon as he put them both in the fire until they were red-hot and then when we were red hot, he put them together in a couple little hammers and those things, the metal became one piece. And that's what God does for our lives. He took a whole bunch of different kinds of people. He took fishermen, ex-prostitutes, religious people, tax collectors. He took all kinds of people in his life and he molded them together on the day of Pentecost and made one body. And that's what we have today. We have a lot of people here this morning. They're from different backgrounds, different lives. But the power of the Holy Spirit has the ability to fuse us all together and make us one body. Not a body just in the church, not in this church, but a body of believers, believers nationwide, worldwide. There's a lot of believers that are welded together through the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. And that's the only thing that's going to make difference. If you want unity in a situation, hey, dip them in the fire. So if you feel like you're in the fire this morning... Hey, you're going to come out red hot, and your God's going to do something with you. He can mold you. He can infuse you into something else once he has that fire on you. But unfortunately, you need to get in the fire. And if you're afraid of the fire, then, oh, man, you better learn to like the fire. In... Uh, there's a... Uh, where's, my, here, where's my verse here? Matthew 3.11... It says, I baptize you with, the holy, with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In verse uh, 3 of Acts 2, it said, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. Have you ever wondered why fire? Why was the symbol of fire there? Well, fire... Changes everything it touches. Sometimes not for good. <laughs> if you've ever seen a fire in the forest? Well, actually, there's some good that comes to that, too, because they re- re- seed the, the trees. But basically, a fire changes something. You can't get near a fire and be changed. You can stand afar off, but you can smell like smoke. Fire changes things, and that's why God used the symbol of fire. But fire is, has an Old Testament uh, meaning, too. In Leviticus 9... 24, it says, fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat offerings on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. This is what happened right after Moses dedicated the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And the mighty fire came down and consumed the sacrifices. And the people, they shouted with joy and they fell down face first. I think that sounds like falling out in the spirit to me, don't you? (laughs) So if you ask if Pentecost was in the Old Testament, yes, it was right there. They fell face forward. And 2 um, Chronicles 7.1, it says, When Solomon finished praying for fire, praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed a burnt offering, and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. This was when Solomon was dedicating the temple. So fire in the Old Testament was a symbol that God accepted the sacrifice. And he burned it all up. And that's what happens on Pentecost. The symbol of fire was there because God was showing the people that, I'm accepting this person here. I'm accepting this person here. And I'm accepting this person over here. Everyone here, I'm accepting because now something's different. He's changed. Now he no longer has to live in a temple. This is the temple right here. And he had to have the fire that people could see. I think that anyone that gets filled with the Holy Spirit today, I think there is fire. If, you, if God opened their eyes that you could see it, I believe you'd still see the fire. But we don't get to see that a lot of times nowadays. But I have been a revival service. If you went outside, that tent was glowing. <laughs> I've seen the glowing power of God, so I know it's real. But I believe that God, when he fills us with the Holy Spirit, he burns all those things out of our life at that point. And he changes us, and he gives us power. Because at the moment we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's because we've given everything to God at that instant. We're not holding anything back. Because that's only that time is the only time that fire can come. So if we ha if we've been seeking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but maybe, maybe you're hanging on to something, maybe you've been hanging on to something in your life, maybe there's some area of your life you're not willing to give to God, maybe there's a sin in your life you're not willing to confess because it's become such a good friend to you over the years. We have our pet sins, don't we? <laughs> But at that moment, we have to be willing to give everything to God and put ourselves on the altar and say, God, accept this sacrifice, accept this sacrifice, and let your fire come down from heaven and consume everything in my life so my will is now your will. That's what God's will is for my life, and that's what Pentecost is. It's God's fire just infusing into our hearts. So it's a a proof that acceptance of God in our lives, of our lives. Fire, and I want that fire at that instant. And uh, now that God is going to de- dwell in this temple, in this tabernacle, something's different. I want God to dwell in this temple. And we'll never be alone again because the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. So no matter where we're at in our life and we feel like we're alone and neglected, hey, just breathe deep. <sighs> feel that? That's the Holy Spirit in your life. And we need to become sensitive. To his spirit, because a lot of times we think, you know, we run around looking for God and he's with us all the time and he's getting tired trying to stay up with us. <laughs> you know, if you've been on a scavenger hunt, going on a scavenger hunt trying to get all these different weird things from different places, well, that's kind of what we do with God. We're over here looking for healing, we're over here looking for this, we're over here looking for a job, we're over here looking for all these other kind of things, and God says, Quit running, <laughs> I have fire that a difference in your life. Come, accept the fire. Let everything be burned up and then I'll take care of all these things over here in all these directions. Quit running around. I'm right here. Because he's, he lives within us now. I'm glad that as we, when we come to church that God shows up. And the reason he shows up is because we bring him. Isn't that true? If I bring God with me, he's going to be here. If you bring God with him, he's going to be here. And these people will say, "Hey, I don't feel God in the service." Well, maybe you didn't bring Him, or maybe you don't want the consuming fire of God in your life. But if we need to be sensitive to His Spirit, because He promised He's going to be here, whether I feel Him or not, He's here. He promised that. He said that in His Word. So He's going to be here. There's more than two or three here this morning, and so He's here. And I can feel Him. I can feel the power of the Holy Spirit here this morning. So if you don't feel Him, say, "God, let me feel Your presence." because then he will. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, don't you realize that your temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. If you wanna become a Christian, you have to give up self. You'll say, God, I've died doing things my way for a long time, and there's that song, I did it my way. Well, Christians don't do it my way. Christians do it God's way. And God knows which way is the right way to do something. Sometimes we get out of God's will and we do things that we shouldn't be doing and make a wrong decision, and we pay for those decisions, don't we? But then God uses the, those wrong decisions to get you back where you need to be. But God's will is us a walk every single day of our lives in his perfect will. Unfortunately, you know, we're, we're kind of like this. We first get saved, we're like this. Here's the path over here, and we're kind of like this. And if we walk closer to God, pretty soon those things start narrowing a little bit. And we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not kidding you. We we hardly ever get off the road then. Because that power that God gives us keeps us where we need to be. And without that power in our life, we're doing it in our own power. And there isn't a program that's going to make a difference in your life. Never has, never will be. Now, I'm thankful for AA. I think it's a great program. But AA doesn't have the power to change you from an alcoholic into a non-alcoholic. It can't change you. If you're an alcoholic, you'll always be an alcoholic. Ask the ask the AA people. First thing you have to acknowledge is that you're an alcoholic or they can't help you. But it's a support group to help you get through the situation with alcohol, to be able to, when you're tempted, to be able to call somebody to help you, to support you. And we need those support systems. We have support systems in this church. If you're going through a rough time, hey, all you gotta do is call and we'll pray with you. We'll help you if we can. or Anyone else in the congregation, they'll help you. That's what we're here for, to help each other, to lift each other up. But I don't care what the program is. The answer isn't in a program. The answer is in the power. That's where the answer is, in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 17, he says, He is the Holy Spirit who will lead into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives within you. And later will be in with you, be in you. He lives with you. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, He lives in you. And that's the difference. That's the difference when He lives inside you and He, and he nudges you and you can just feel it. And I just love the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Actually, I take a deep breath and it's just so nice to feel the cleanness in my heart because I know that God's burned all that stuff out of me. Of course, I still have problems with certain things just like everybody else. I'm not perfect. And like I tell you, the closer you get to knowing me, you're going to start seeing those imperfections because I'm not perfect. But pray for me. Hopefully, hopefully, it won't be drastic things. It's going to really help you, you know, knock you for a loop. But if you put me up on a pedestal, hey, I'm not very good on a pedestal. I fall off really easy. And when I hit the ground, it isn't very pretty. So don't put me up on a pedestal. Put Jesus up on a pedestal. Because he's the one that needs to be up there because I'm just human just like everybody else. That's it. We just have different jobs that God has called us to do. And I'm no more uh, more spiritual than anyone else. If I allow God to work in my heart and allow his power and his fire to burn in my soul. I was kind of amazed. There was a story a few years ago, a long time ago as it was, they had a Rose Bowl parade. They had this one float and it was in the, in the parade and all of a sudden it sputtered and it stopped. And it just stopped the whole par- Rose Bowl parade. And the reason it stopped is because it was out of gas. And the funny thing about this float was it was a standard oil company's float. so so they had all the resources to be able to put gas in that thing they had everything available but hey they operated on fuse and it gave up and that's what we do as christmas uh, christians sometimes we have all this power available to us but we forget to put it in our tank we try to operate in our own strength and that isn't god's will or purpose for their life and i know that We look at it realistically now. When my kids were younger, I wouldn't ask them to vacuum the house if I didn't have a vacuum. That'd be kind of stupid, wouldn't it? I wouldn't do it. And I wouldn't ground them if they couldn't vacuum because I didn't give them the tools to do it. Well, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be witnesses. He wants us to live for him. And it'd be kind of stupid for God to tell us he wants us to do these things and not give us the ability or the power to do it. Does that make any sense? And that's what the Holy Spirit is. That's what Pentecost is all about. It's God giving you the power that you need to live for him. The power to testify, the power to be a witness. Now, being a witness is a lot different than testifying. Being a witness means that our lives measure up to what they need to be as a Christian. When you're a witness, you go into a courtroom, and people ask you questions, you answer them. It isn't going over and beating somebody over the head with your Bible and say, Hey, you're going to hell. I mean, if God tells me to do that, I'll do that. But it better be God. <laughs> Otherwise, I make a home with a black eye. <laughs> so, but God's will is for us to be able to do everything in his power, to witness, to do our jobs, everything. But Leviticus six, twelve, and 13 says, Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Every morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offerings on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offering on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Our fire is never supposed to go out. And people say, well, I don't worship God in the morning. Well, your fire is going to go out. If you don't spend some time in the morning, because the priests, they had to get up in the morning, soak the fire. They had to put fresh wood on there. We have to put fresh wood on our fire every single day. We have to get up and we have to stoke the fire even if we don't feel like it. Because if you've ever lived with coal or wood stoves before they had all these fancy heated stuff that they have now, you had to get up chop coal. I had to chop coal when I was a kid. You had to stoke the fire or go out. And nobody wanted to get up early in the morning if the fire went out because it was so cold. And you hated to be that one. But if you was the one that forgot to stoke the fire, then you're the one that's going to get up and get it going again. And that's what God wants with us. He wants us to get up every day and stoke our fires and put fresh wood on the fire and praise him and worship him in the morning before we go to work. to Get that fire burning. Because once you get the fire burning really well, it burns pretty good, doesn't it? It can burn all day or all night. If you get it going good, but you have to get it going good first. And that's what God wants us to do every day. We have to be able to every day put wood on a fire. Every day we have to take care and maintain that fire in our life. It's up to us. Everything that we, we want or have in Christ, it's up to us. Everything's there available to us, but it's up to us to do what's necessary to keep it going. So if I want a fire in my life, I've got to fan the flames. I've got to put wood on it. I've got to do all these things, and then I have the strength to do it. If not, I'm going to run out of gas right in the middle of the parade, and people are going to sit around and point at me. You call yourself a Christian? How would you run out of gas? <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I don't know. And you might get the opportunity at work to pray for somebody that you've been witnessing to forever, and today's the day that they want an answer, and today's the day you forgot to put fire on your altar. And you say, "Oh man, God, have mercy on me, forgive me." Oh wow, if that ever happens to you once, it'll never happen again. But we need to we need to do that. And the fire was watched 24 hours a day. They had somebody watching that fire to make sure that it didn't go out, because a fire is easier to keep burning than it is to start when it goes out. It's really hard to start a fire when it goes out. But if it's already there and it's already hot, throw the wood in, hey man, that thing catches fire. So we need to maintain it. First Thessalonians 5:19 says, "Do not put out the Spirit's fire." We can put it out. We can put it out. We can dump water on it because well, oh, I don't feel like reading my Bible today. I don't feel like praying today. Oh man, I'll do it when I get home. Then when you get home, well, oh, I'm just too busy. Besides that, this is the night my favorite TV show's on. This is when CSI comes on or NCIS or whatever it is comes on. So I'll do it afterwards. And then, well, God, you know, the news is coming on now. I always like to watch the news. And, oh, well, i got to watch Leno. This is Leno's last night on The Tonight Show. i got to watch it tonight. I'm going to have another opportunity. This is his last night, God. And then it's, God, you know, I'm awful tired tonight. Oh, I'm so tired. In the morning, oh, in the morning, I'll do it. In the morning, I'll start the fire. In the morning, well, that's where it starts. starts out with just one little thing. And then pretty soon, you know, it's been a week since you prayed. And you have no strength. And you're weak. And if you don't eat for a week, you're not going to have very much strength. If you if you have to chop wood for a li- living, and you're not eating every day, you're not going to have the strength to chop wood, are you? And spiritually, we aren't going to have the strength unless we chop the wood, unless we put in the time, and we have to pay the power bill. I don't care who you are in this country, in this town, you don't pay your power bill, they're turning off your power. They don't care. And if we as Christians don't pay our power bill by spending time with God, by praying, by reading his word, our power is going to be turned off. It's just going to fizzle out and we're going to have no power. And we're going to be left there wondering what in the world happened. But God has a will and a purpose for our life, and that purpose is fire. How's your gas tank this morning? Are you full? Has your fire been ignited this morning? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? That's what I want this morning. What a great day. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, why not today? Why not have the power today? Because God's always available to give it to you. If we don't have something, it's because we haven't invested whatever we need to do to get it. You get a little kid that wants a brand new skateboard, and you tell them they have to work for it. And if they earn half of it, you'll give them the other half. Hey, man, that kid's going to work, and they're going to get that money. As soon as I get that money together, And say, here it is, Mom, my money, and I'll just go buy my skateboard. That's what God does with us. He wants us to invest some stuff into it, and when he does, he will meet us more than halfway, and he wants to fill everyone here this morning. And if you've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, great. Praise the Lord. Stoke that fire. Keep it going because it's going to be fire that's going to make a difference in this community. It's gonna be his fire that's gonna make a difference because people like to watch come and watch a fire. They like to watch it something burn, don't they? You put a, put a campfire up when you're out in the dark or up in the mountains and that, man, there's just something about that campfire. People are just attracted to it and they'll sit around that campfire for hours and watch it and talk and have a good time. Well, the fire, God's the fire. And God wants to have that fire burning inside us. And when that fire's burning inside us, then people will come and watch and they wanna watch the fire burn. And a fire can ignite this whole community. Look what it did in Florida a few years ago. They had one outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not kidding you, that revival went on for years. And people walked into that church, and I'm not kidding you, they were slain, or they were something, or they were convicted of their sins. Why? Because the fire, because the power of God was there. And the power of God is here this morning. There's nothing that's stopping anyone here this morning from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you here this morning? And you... Well, maybe you're here this morning and you haven't even been saved. Maybe you don't know God as your personal savior. Maybe that's you and you said, man, I don't understand what you're talking about. This fire stuff's scaring me. I don't know about you Pentecostal people. My mom warned me about people like you. (laughs) Well, I is one. But God is the one that makes the difference. And I don't want to go to a church that I can't feel, that I can't get excited about. We have a lot of people that go to church every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they just go in and they put in their time. I don't want to put in my time. If I came to church and I couldn't feel God, I wouldn't want to be there. But God is here this morning. And if you've never felt God in your life before, he's here, and you can feel his touch. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is anyone here this morning and you say, you know, this kind of stuff, you know, I don't really understand it all, but this salvation stuff, that, the, the step... I don't understand it, but I do know that I'm a sinner. And I want God to change my life. I want to give my life to him this morning. Is there anyone here that would say that with an uplifted hand? Say, I don't know God, but I want to know him. I want to know him as a personal savior. I want to have a relationship with him that I've never known. Is there anyone here this morning? Say that. Okay. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, Pentecost Sunday, man, I've heard a lot about that. I've read that out how many times. And I believe some of those people, and they said that it wasn't for today. But I know that it's for today, and I want it. I want that power that God has. Is that you this morning? Are you here this morning? and Say, man, I'd like to have that power. I'd like to have that revival in my soul because revival consumes everything in our life and makes us what he wants us to be. Is that you this morning? Okay. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house, Lord. And we thank you, Lord,